Cryptid Queens. Hello, everyone. Hello, everyone. Hello, Alex. Hello, my closet. I'm excited to cover more things about the Pacific Northwest. So this is Cryptid Queens. This is our mini-sode on the Pacific Northwest. There's so much weird shit that happens in the PNW. Yeah. I don't know why. It's either a hot spot for like weird cryptid stuff to happen, or maybe people here are just interested in passing on the stories Yeah, than in other places. But for whatever reason, there's a lot of funky legends and Yeah, and there's a lot of trees. Here. A lot of trees. A lot of places for cryptids <laughs> to hide. Right. So I'm going to start with the Green Man of Portland. Cool. Or the legend of the Green Man of Portland. To start, there's like a 2009 art installation by artist Daniel Duford located in Portland. Oh, Tila. Bean. Stay close, you bitch. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> okay, anyways. So yeah, so there's an art installation by Daniel Duford in Portland, Oregon. He created this sculpture called The Green Man of Portland in 2009, consisting of two outdoor sculptures and eight story markers that form a poem. They're installed along 10 blocks in Portland's Old Town Chinatown neighborhood. Materials include bronze, cast concrete, and porcelain enamel on steel. According to the artist, the work's imagery was inspired by a 1970s horror comics. Duford has said of the installation with the green man of portland i've created a fake legend it goes like this ever since portland's founding there have been sightings of small green archers wherever the archer hits someone with an arrow her vision changes flowers grow from the heads of a passerby a building <laughs> called the greenwood appears a giant tree towers over the city on certain nights a great white celestial stag is spied in the skies over portland the legend encompasses all the variety, transitory communities that call Old Town and Chinatown home. My great hope for this piece is that the Green Man of Portland will quietly twine itself into the fabric and many-layered history of the community. But the real Green Man is not a fake legend. So the Green Man, and very occasionally the Green Woman, is a legend primarily interpreted as a symbol of rebirth, representing the cycle of new growth that occurs every spring. The Green Man is most commonly depicted in a sculpture or other representation of a face which is made of leaves or completely surrounded by leaves. And that's what the sculpture downtown looks like. It's like a leaf face. It's really cool. That's cool. The Green Man motif has many variations. Branches or vines might sprout from the mouth, nostrils, or other parts of the face. And these shoots might bear flowers or even fruit. Mm. Found in many cultures, many ages around the world, the Green Man is often related to natural vegetation deities and is often used as decorative architectural ornaments. They're frequently found in carvings on both secular and ecclesiastical buildings. I think that means like church buildings. The Green Man is also a popular name for English public houses. So there's a lot of pubs <laughs> called the Green Man in England. And various interpretations of the name appear on inn signs, which sometimes show a full figure rather than just the face. Mm. Some speculate that the mythology of the Green Man developed independently in the traditions of separate ancient cultures and evolved into the wide variety of examples found throughout history and literature in which the Green Man is a recurring theme. Sometimes the figures of Robin Hood and Peter Pan are associated with the Green Man. You know, it makes, it makes sense. A lot They're of sense. both wear green and like do weird shit in the forest. <laughs> And um, same, yeah. And there's also the Green Knight in Cern Gowan and the Green Knight, which is like a 
old English story. It's an epic poem, and I had to read it for school. The Green Knight in this poem serves as both a monster antagonist, but also as a, eventually a mentor to Sir Gawain, <laughs> belonging to a pre-Christian world, which seems antagonistic to, but is in the end harmonious with the Christian one. That's kind of like the metaphor behind him in that story. <laughs> The association ultimately helped consolidate the belief that the Green Man was a genuine medieval folkloric figure. For many modern pagans, the Green Man is used as a symbol of seasonal renewal and ecological awareness. In Wicca, the Green Man has often been used as a representation of the Horned God, a deity that incorporates aspects of, among others, the Celtic Serenus and the Greek Pan. Mm. By the way, happy Beltane. Oh, fuck. Happy Beltane. Is that today? It was yesterday. It was yesterday. Funny, because I saw that image of the green man is used a lot with Beltane. Yeah. Because I've definitely that seen that. Cool. What do you got? I'm going to do mine on the Shanghai Tunnels of Portland, oh, Oregon. Fuck. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. So I got most of my information from Wiki, an article on Oregon Encyclopedia by Richard Engman, and then a website called portlandghosts.com. So the old Portland underground, better known locally as the Shanghai Tunnels, is a group of passages in Portland, Oregon, mainly underneath the Old Town Chinatown neighborhood. It is also under a lot of the main business sections that are kind of connected to Old Town Chinatown. And then the tunnels connected the basements of many hotels and taverns to the waterfront of the Williamette River. So they were originally built to move goods from the ships docked at the harbor to the basement storage area. They were originally built to move goods from the ships docked on the Willamette to the basement storage areas along businesses. Willamette. 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 Yep, there you go. It looks like it should be Willamette, but it's Willamette. Willamette. And there's like stickers in Portland that says, Willamette, damn it. (laughs) It's a hard A. And this allows businesses to avoid basically the traffic that was up on the streets. There is documentation in the newspapers of the 19th century of tunnels and secret passages underground that are connected to those basically business tunnels. Organized crime was the center of a lot of these stories. But it has also been believed that it was a great place for shanghaiing. So shanghaiing is when you force a person to be a crew member on your ship by drugging or beating up the person um, or anything like that. So it's said that these crew captains would hire sex workers to get these men drunk and or drug them. And then some of these taverns literally had trap doors that they would push them through. And I believe that there is still some buildings that have those old trap doors. So some 1,500 or more men are said to have been abducted annually. That's a big amount of people. It's insane. And some people- Yeah. Shit. Yeah. Okay. And some people (laughs) have also claimed that the tunnels were used to facilitate kidnapping and human trafficking for sex work, unfortunately. Yeah. There were a lot of- gangsters during that time and Chinese gangsters quote unquote got like a bad rap and so I definitely assume that they called it Shanghaiing for a racist reason because right. it's safe to assume that. <laughs> but right. the term Shanghaiing originated because the boats that forced these men aboard were usually heading to Shanghai, China. Oh okay. So yeah. a lot of time it was white people doing it, but then they would sail over there. Okay. China was like a huge trading partner with Right. The United States at the time. Yeah, so in 1842, after the first Opium War, Shanghai was designated as a treaty port 
to which the British, French, and U.S. came to trade. Basically, after the steamships became the norm, Shanghaiing wasn't really a thing anymore because, you know, you have machines to power your boats. So it's believed that many people never made out of the tunnels alive. People were beaten, starved, and left for dead deep in these tunnels. Gangs used the tunnels for their hideout and would often drag their victims down into the tunnels to keep them from talking to the police. Yeah, so there's evidence that the gangs even kept disobedient members in the tunnels as a form of punishment. Oftentimes, they'd leave them by themselves with no light. The tunnels are now used as a tourist attraction because supposedly it's haunted AF. So travelers report feeling goosebumps as if someone is watching them from the shadows. Many people report seeing an Asian man walking past them in the tunnels. Explorers named the spirit Sam and say that he is responsible for turning off the lights in bar basements that are connected oh. to these tunnels. Sam also likes to be likes to move things around in the tunnels as explorers walk by. One tour guide reported hearing a voice calling out the name Sam over and over again. Because his entire group was behind him, he knew that it was not one of them. Yeah, so others report seeing quick movements of shadows, typical um, sightings of like shadow people, and feeling ghostly fingers on their shoulders when no one else is around. So most tunnel tourists say that Sam is a good ghost, and look forward to feeling his presence. Ooh. So other tunnel spirits are known as tricksters. They will often pull at your shirt tail or gently tug at the end of your hair. Mm. One guest reported feeling a small tug on her shirt before she tripped. One man remembers hearing the sound of a childlike whistling just before he was thrown to the ground. Um, Fuck, man. Yeah. So they're definitely pretty physical. Um, yeah. And after standing up, he turned to see who had knocked him down, and he lifted his flashlight up, and he saw that no one was behind him. Understandably so, that man reported that he that, that was the last time he'd be visiting the Shanghai Tunnels. <laughs> yeah, so that's basically the gist of the Shanghai Tunnels. I just thought that was a really interesting, weird, kind of dark moment Super in history weird, for Portland. Yeah, and here's a fun fact. Now, my office building that my company that I work for has the basement parking structures built in what used to be the connection to that tunnel oh, so shit. i know for a fact that there's like one area that has like a door so it's like do not enter and it, it has like alarms definitely point in the direction of the harbor so right maybe that's the entrance thing is that they would like wait until basically the ship was just about to port just about to leave and then they'd take these guys against their will up to the ships. Can you imagine thinking you're going on a hot date with a pretty girl, <laughs> then suddenly you start to get pretty woozy after your second glass of wine, and then you wake up and you're like in the middle of fucking ocean. Oh my on god! On a fucking ship, and they're like, "Congrats, you're joining the crew." <laughs> that piss me the fuck off. <laughs> we have to do that tour at we some point in our lives. Definitely should. Okay, so the <laughs> next two come from Crater Lake, which is <gasps> the, one of the most beautiful places I've ever been in my fucking life. It's awesome. It's gorgeous. And it's the deepest lake in the United States. Did you know that? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like this beautiful, so, so, so blue lake that is in the middle of like a crater of a mountain that had volcanoed itself so it has it has like several legends including like a water monster and a couple other things but what i think is even spookier are the fire spirits oh yeah said to have once belonged to evil men that haunt the lake's wizard island so 
Named for its wizard hat shape, the volcanic island rises 767 feet above Crater Lake's surface. So it's in the middle of the lake, and there's this like little wizard hat mountain-shaped <laughs> small little island in the middle. Throughout the years, people have claimed to see ghostly campfires on the island at night. Ooh. The National Park Rangers have reportedly observed campfires on the island and boated out only to find no traces of flame or smoke. So it's like random smoke haunting the middle of the lake like for a, no reason. Kind of like a residual yeah. haunting. I didn't. Okay. That's it. <laughs> Crater Lake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's not a whole lot about it. Yeah. There's another legend that I heard about Crater Lake about like if you go to this one area, many people have like taken off all of their backpacks and like put down all their belongings and just jumped off the cliff oh. for no fucking reason. Oh my it's God. happened like four or five times where people that are like normally happy, they're with their family, like not depressed, will become like what people think is possessed and then they just like fling them off. Oh, holy shit. Some, something flings them into the lake and you know, you normally don't survive. Yeah, so, that's fucking nuts. Crazy shit. I have one more. Bat squatch. <laughs> All right. So first sighted flying over woods near Mount St. Helens in 1980. The horrid looking bat squatch has purple skin, piercing red eyes, and an ape-like head and wings. Cryptozoologists have speculated that it's a flying primate, like in Wizard of Oz. Basically think of it as Bigfoot's airborne cousin. Yeah. So this creature was said to have a wolf-like muzzle, blue fur, sharp teeth, bird-like feet, and leathery bat wings that, holy fuck, span up to 50 feet. Oh, Jesus. That's a big boy. That's crazy. And he's got all the colors. All the colors. (laughs) It's like every single cryptid just in one. Just smush them all together. (laughs) But it's said to be nine foot tall and has the ability to affect car engines. So this is possibly a misunderstood sighting of Mothman. Oh, yeah, duh. Um, Considering it also affects man-made things like this. In April 1994, Brian Canfield was driving in Washington's Pierce County when his truck suddenly died. Canfield said a large creature landed in front of him. He said it was human-like, nine foot tall, with bat-like wings, and also sported a coat of blue fur. (laughs) A possible second sighting was reported in 2009 near Mount Shasta, northeast California. Several hikers witnessed a huge creature with leathery wings spanning 50 feet fly out of a crevice in the mountain. So at first, an eyewitness described the creature as having a head similar to a pterodactyl. However, upon reconsideration, the witness claimed it was more akin to like a bat or a fox. On June 2011, this man was in his yard walking his dog, and he went to pick up the dog when he saw something in the sky. He said the following, I saw something flying in the sky. It had bat wings, blue fur, and had a face similar to eyes glowing red. It was about nine feet tall at the least after I watched it just fly away. On April 14th, 2014, at Archbishop Hoban High School in Akron, Ohio, a second period Spanish class spotted a giant black mass zip by the window of the classroom at incredible speed. Holy shit. Wow. Um, The class claims that it was about nine feet tall with a 20 to 30 feet wingspan, which is fucking crazy. That's massive. But also... Ohio borders West Virginia. Oh, hey. Yeah. So I think a Mothman and a Bigfoot fell in love <laughs> must and be made it. us 
the bat squatch. It has to be. I can't think of any other way. <laughs> Pretty much the perfect in between. When a man loves a woman. When a moth man loves a <laughs> Bigfoot lady. <laughs> Who's that lady? Bigfoot lady. <laughs> Hairy lady. Lady. <laughs> So that's the Bat Squatch. Okay, I'm going to do one last one. Cool. I'm going to talk about the UFO festival that happens every year in McMinnville, Oregon. Sick. <laughs> every year, thousands of visitors flock to McMinnville, a quiet Willamette Valley town located an hour southwest of Portland, to attend the city's famous UFO festival. Second in popularity only to the UFO Festival in Roswell, New Mexico, Oregon's annual celebration features three full days of parades, costume contests, expert speakers, and family fun. Incredible. And the UFO Festival returns September 23rd to the 25th, That's my birthday. That's your birthday. But same as the Mothman Festival. That's also my birthday. I know. How will wow. we ever choose? Fuck. We're going to have lots of birthdays together. That's what I'm finding out. <laughs> yes, very true. <laughs> and so here's some history behind the festival. In June 1947, a month before the legendary Roswell crash, wow. pilot Kenneth Arnold claimed that he saw a fleet of silvery objects traveling at supersonic speed near Mount Rainier, southeast of Seattle. An article about the sighting in the East Oregonian coined the term flying saucers, actually, and hmm. triggered a surge of UFO reports across the country. Three years later, Evelyn and Paul Trent of McMinnville snapped what are widely considered to be the first photos of a UFO in the U.S. Really? The photos caused a firestorm when they were published in newspapers worldwide. To this day, they are considered some of the most credible UFO photos ever taken. What? Founded in 1999, the McMinnville UFO Festival began as a way to honor the famous 1950 Trent sighting and has evolved into an epic celebration of all things extraterrestrial. UFO festival events include live music, expert speaker panels, a colorful parade, an alien pet costume contest. Oh my god. And past events have included a glow-in-the-dark party with oh. live music and a DJ. Oh my god. An all-ages alien abduction dash 5K. Incredible. And the festival's epic annual parade where hundreds of humans march through downtown McMinnville in out-of-this-world alien costumes. And some of the festival's featured speakers have run the gamut from authors, filmmakers, investigators to crop circle experts, <laughs> Bigfoot hunters, alien implant removal specialists. What does that mean? Uh, I don't I That is the only thing that Wikipedia told me. <laughs> Past speakers have included Deep Prasad, a 23-year-old physicist and CEO of Reactive Q who works in quantum technology. Joan Clarksis, a psychic medium who's been spending years investigating UFOs and trying to connect psychically with aliens. Okay. And Alejandro Rojas, director in operations for UFO news site Open Minds Productions. Come on out <laughs> to the McMinnville UFO Festival. It sounds like a fucking party. That does sound really cool. If anyone wants to come with us, I'm in it. Let us know. So that's Sorry. what we have for our mini sode this week on the Pacific Northwest. Thank you for tuning in. Please like, rate, subscribe, send us some comments, send us an email, buy stickers um, by DMing us. They're $2 a sticker. We love you. We're proud of you. Anything you're doing, fucking keep your head up and keep doing it because you are important. You are rich. You are that bitch. 
You are a cryptid queen, <laughs> and, regardless of your gender. Yes, and keep those eyes peeled. And I hope your week is not too spooky, but just spooky enough. <laughs>